Someone called me the other day and said, listen, you South African, I've got a location for you and we're looking for a steakhouse. I said, leave me alone. <laughs> alone. I have no more bandwidth. I cannot think of another glassware, another plate, That's another serious. style of service. And and you go in one day from one to the other, you like have to do this mental switch. I do. I do yeah. have to do the mental switch. And my team has to do not only a mental switch, they've got to do a uniform switch. That's exactly so if you're right. working at head office and you're auditing Tasha's, you've got to have an lovely suit in your car, get dressed oh when God. you go and audit the thing because you're not allowed to go in your standard uh, Tasha's clothes. Welcome to the Lighthouse Conversations, a podcast featuring entrepreneurs and tastemakers from the world of arts, culture, tech, and of course, food. I'm your host, Hashem Montasir. If you're joining us for the first time today, hit the follow button in your podcast player to get alerted when we have a new episode. You can also listen to our extensive catalog of previous episodes on our website, thelighthouse.ae slash podcast. As you may know, Michelin announced the second edition of their Dubai Guide this week. To know more about the process behind it, you can catch my conversation with Michelin's Gwendal Pulonek and our chat with Dubai Tourism CEO, Assam Qadim, who told us about their plans to turbocharge Dubai's food scene. You'll find both links in our show notes. I'm joined on the show today by Natasha Sideris. Natasha is the founder and CEO of Tasha's Group, the company behind their namesake restaurants, Tasha's, along with an impressive and sought-after lineup of concepts, including Avli, Flamingo Room, Galaxy Bar, and her latest edition, Bungalow 34. No one hit wonders there. Natasha's restaurants all proved successful over the years, with Galaxy Bar ranking the top 50 bars worldwide. Natasha has been in the food industry since she was 18. And then she started her own brand, Tasha's first in South Africa 18 years ago before coming to Dubai and extending in the UAE. She exudes an authenticity that each of her brands inherits. Whether you walk into Tasha's and Galleria Mall, the original, so to speak, or Avli in Dubai International Financial Center, each restaurant has a distinct identity. And yet there's an underlying timelessness that reminds you it's Natasha. I've been now around this F&B scene for the last seven years. And frankly, there's very few that match up to Natasha's sincerity and authenticity. She's someone that's always been one phone call away, always happy to give advice, dispense ideas, and not afraid to speak her mind. I found that invaluable in an industry that's known for backstabbing and a lot of jealousy. And I'm very, very grateful to have her as a friend. We covered a lot of Natasha's journey during our conversation, the virtues and perils of ambition, timelessness when it comes to design, and why anyone who works for her seems to become a self-appointed ambassador for the brand. Natasha, cannot tell you how happy I am to have you here. Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. I, I feel like I have the SMSs to prove it. For two years, <laughs> I've been chasing you and it's saying, not a I lie. need to do, I need to get you on the podcast. It's not a lie. And I almost can canceled this morning I know, again. I know. Got a rough night. But anyway, uh, here I am. Last night, I was sitting at home and I thought, you know, I'm going to get a message from, she's going to say like, sorry, can we reschedule because I'm going somewhere, <laughs> flying off to London or Saudi or whatever. Yeah. But no, I no. didn't. So I woke up this morning, I'm like, ah. It's happening. Yeah, yeah, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. No, it's a pleasure. I want to start at a, a particular place. What drives you? You are someone who is, in my book, and there's probably many things I don't know, a chef, an operator, a tastemaker, so curious, insatiably curious about people, about things. I mean, you've come into this office now. You are taking pictures of certain <laughs> furniture I, items. I love your offices. You're, you're, you're fantastic. You, you go to the concept store every time since the first time I met you, you would walk in and you'd say, you know, where's this from? Where's that from? So what? what is, where is this motivation coming from? Oh, wow. So uh, if I have to go back to my roots, my mom was always a creative. My dad was a restaurateur and my mom was a dressmaker, a painter. She loved interior. So I think growing up in that type of environment, uh, was a College. love of food and a love of design. Okay. And then in terms of people, um, I actually studied psychology and sociology. And uh, actually, when I finished my degree, I only did three years. I was invited back by Wits University to complete uh, a postgrad uh, and an honors in sociology, which I didn't do because I went straight back into restaurants. 
straight so, back into restaurants because you so were working. I had, I'd with started your, in the restaurants uh, while I was while I was at varsity. I was working, okay. so I was studying and working, studying and working, and then I was toss, jostling between: Am I going to study or am I going to complete carry on with my degree and actually do something with the degree, or am I going to go back into the restaurants and do restaurants permanently? And obviously, the love of of people and food and interiors, because I think being restaurateurs, and I'm so I'm not a chef, don't have any qualifications as a chef. And I haven't studied business. But you do all of these things. I do do all of those things. And I think being a restaurateur is a privilege in many ways. Because if you do love people, spaces, and food, you get to do all of those things yeah, on a daily do. basis. Yeah. Um, but I'd say just to answer your question in terms of what drives me, um, I, me... I am super, super ambitious. Yeah. Um, and I want to do whatever I do really well. Was that always the case from the beginning? Always. always. In fact, I've got a, a, a letter that an aunt gave me, because I also used to be, believe it or not, don't look at my size now, but I used to be very sporty um, and slim. And I've got a letter that my aunt wrote me when I, when I was, maybe I was 12, mm. 13. And I used to compete uh, in swimming and, and I was super competitive with my studies. I wanted to get distinctions with everything. And she wrote me a letter that said, don't forget just to stop and smell the roses in your grits and your determination. And when your eyebrows go all cross-eyed and you're like determined to do something yeah, it was really a well. for you all the time. Continuous. And I've always been like that. Yeah. I can always. relate to that. I have to say, I find that particularly with women, sometimes they try to mask that. Yeah. I, I am personally in awe and Thank very you. impressed by, by you and many not women and men that I find, it, I find ambition a huge virtue. But I've noticed with women... A lot of women, uh, sometimes they, they feel that maybe it turns people off, so they kind of try to hold back. I don't feel you yeah, hold back. I don't, no, I don't hold back. And I think that's one of the reasons I've been so successful in Dubai. And it surprised a lot of people because I said you come into a society that, and I'm talking 10 years ago, that, I mean, as a society, things have, have changed and evolved a lot and things have become a lot more liberal in many respects. But when I first came to the region, people were like, are oh, you crazy? You're going to go to Dubai and flex your muscles and you're going to open all these restaurants. I think... Women sometimes disadvantage themselves by thinking they can do it of of this male female phenomenon. And if you just put that to the side and just focus on what you want to achieve, and you're not fixated on that, um, then you can overcome it. But I've, I mean, I I sold fifty one percent of my business, which I've recently bought back two and a half years ago, to a listed company, which is full of men. And I remember sitting in a boardroom, you know, full of guys talking corporate talk, which I didn't understand a word. Yeah. But I never, ever thought about the male-female yeah. phenomenon. Yeah, you I just, just did your of, thing. I just did my thing. And I think that's that's key. It can, I suppose when you talk about it, putting people off or people being intimidated by it, again, I'm the type of person that I am go in boots and all. So I don't really think about my actions before I'm a big risk taker. And I don't sit and ponder my actions before I'm going to take them. And you walk the walk. I think that's a very big difference. It's not just talk. I've known this about you. I mean, Thank you. And I've seen, you know, I mean Sorry. it because it's not someone who's trying to, you know, there are people that want to intimidate verbally or have a strong personality. No. But you are 100% execution. So, you know, whatever you say, I have seen you do. No, no, 100%. I have to say that. It's just very interesting about this ambition bit. I want to explore it a bit more because you have also achieved frankly, incredible heights, both in your business. I mean, you started in South Africa, you have a successful business there, obviously yeah. in Dubai and the UAE and now beyond mm -hmm. in other parts. Is there a point where you sit and you say, I've done enough or it's always go? It's always I want more. Wow. So I think I've reached a point now where I'm 48. It would be nice to take my foot off the gas <laughs> and just relax a little bit. I'm laughing because you're not going to do it. <laughs> I'm 49 <laughs> and I'm not doing it. Exactly. I don't see you doing it at 48. But I Forget feel it. at this point, I've also had to look after the team that supported me sure. and believed in my dream up until now. So at this stage, I'd say a lot of the ambition and the drive comes from what is my responsibility to those them. who believed in me so far. You know, I've got an amazing head office team. I've got people in the stores that I'm trying to motivate and 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 put them in different positions in their career path. And I think a lot of the ambition and the and the growth now comes from what is the legacy I'm going to leave behind because it can't all be about money. 
But it's not all about money. Yeah. I don't see you doing this all about money. Yeah. I, I, I didn't mean that. Yeah. I mean, money is a byproduct to keep sustaining and growing. Exactly. Which you need to. You're also putting food on the table for all these people. Yeah. But um, I don't, I mean, from a vantage point of someone that can relate to your particular business, yeah. I don't see it about money. I also don't see a problem saying I want to keep growing because I look at you and I see someone thriving. I mean, you're yeah. in your element. You're enjoying I, this. I think that this advantage is is balance. And I think yeah, fair enough. That, that's that's always got to be a key um, when you're growing. I, I I mean, I have to a degree sort of put myself aside in all of this for my own ambitions. And we're talking health-wise, we're talking stress-wise, we're talking family-wise. I mean, I lost both my folks. My, my dad died when he was 57. My mom died when she was 62. So they didn't get to see a lot of the stuff that I've done. If I could turn back the clock, I would have spent more time with them. Yeah. So I think that's got to be sort of that's that's the pay the the payoff is yeah, got all of this ambition and it is the price, but I think there's got to be some type of a balance. So yeah, I'm at a point where I'm trying to say, okay, I've got this team. Everyone's been developed to a certain point. I am super involved in all of the detail. I will always be, but I'm trying because I'm yeah. a control freak as much as I can to give some to delegate and and trust people. So that I can start finding a little bit of balance, because before you know it, too yeah, late, it's, yeah. and you've done yeah. all of this, and you haven't really enjoyed the ride. I think it's important to enjoy the ride. I'm going to wonder whether it is only because I really relate to, it, so maybe I'm being defensive mm -hmm. for myself, because no. I feel very much the same way. Yeah. And I also lost my both my parents uh, relatively young. My mom was 65. My dad was older, but neither of them saw the second part of my career. They saw me as a banker, not in this. Um, but I don't feel that I'm not enjoying the ride. You are right. The balance sometimes. The personal is, side of yes, the ride. It's, it's, it lacks balance many yeah, it times. It does. Where, where the actual job, in inverted commas, because it isn't a job, yeah, it's your life. becomes all-encompassing. Yes. It's all-consuming. To, to the sacrifice of maybe your social life, um, your health, exercising, 100%. you know, getting the right amount of sleep, um, watching your diet. Those things get put to the side, they're not the priority, certainly not for me. Those are not a priority for me. And they haven't been for some time. The priority has been the love of the work, the people, the spaces, the food, the success, making sure that everything works properly. And that's 95% of the focus. Then there's 5% left for you. You you have to be careful, and it's gotten. Yeah, I think, I think as fair. we get older, yeah, that's I mean, right. when you're in your twenties and your thirties, you don't bounce back as much. I was going to swear now, but I'm not. Anyway, when you're in your thirties, <laughs> it's like, who cares? Because yeah. you've got the energy and you can do it. But you start hitting forty-five, fifty, and then you start thinking, hang on a second, you know, I've, I haven't focused on my health and my interpersonal relationships. Yes, 100%. Um, so you've got to try and find that balance. And I think I'm sort of at that point now because I do have a lot of people working for me, a lot of talented people who I can trust. Yeah. Faint if they hear that because they're going to say I don't trust them and I don't <laughs> let them do anything. No, I, I, and I'm a micromanager, <laughs> which is which is probably true. Oh, I, 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 I'm the same way. So I can completely relate to it. You started here with Tasha's as the core brand. Yes. It had a beautiful, it still has a beautiful aesthetic. Thank you. What brought you to that particular aesthetic, which was in Dubai, yeah. was very new and very fresh. Yeah. And very importantly for someone like myself who looks at those types of things, I'm in, in the same business, very timeless. It still looks today as yeah. fresh to me as Thank it did you. when I first walked into your first space. We're about to do a little bit of a renovation at Galleria. No, sure. Yeah. But I meant the core element the, of the brand yes, is it's, fresh. It's because it's timeless. And what we try and do with our brands, and even in the in what we call concept stores, the Avlis, the Bangalows, the Flamingos, is we try not to do stuff that's gimmicky yeah. and of the now. You know, because of social media, and I, you know, I call social media the devil, because it, it creates homogenization. It also creates very bad performance anxiety for restaurateurs, chefs, and anyone who's involved in this industry. It does create performance anxiety. You're always looking at what the other person's doing. Oh, we should be doing the same. We can do better. Why is she doing this? Why is he doing Why, this? Exactly. Yeah. And it does create a lot of performance yeah. anxiety. But um, I'd say the reason why, I mean, Tasha's is 18 years old this year. I'm talking yes. from South African days. And in South Africa, we're seeing some double-digit growth, despite what's happening in the economy, is and despite all the other competition around us, because it's timeless. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important. And when you're building a space that doesn't buck to every trend and you're building a place that's classic and your food is also not overly trendy. And I was going to say, the food is timeless as well. Exactly. Then then you've got something that can last. So how did you, let's go back to the beginning of yes. this, when you built the brand, when you're looking at the value drivers. Yes. Was that actually what you said? Was the brief, guys, I need to work on a menu yes. and a look that's timeless? Yes. So okay. I wanted a space. I said, we thought about a million names and I didn't actually want to call it Tasha's because obviously it comes with a lot of responsibility. <laughs> yeah. I've got to change my name. Yeah. Your when name I is sell, at the door. When I sell, I'll become Susan. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so uh, the brief to the guys who were doing the branding, who actually are still with me today, uh, AM to Creative, we've actually partnered and, and we own 50% of their business now and we're going to offer our services to other clients. Amazing. Um, to my best friends, Alex and Malpa. When I started briefing them on the on the logo and the branding, I said, guys, let's not do something that's trendy. Let's not do something that's clever. Let's not do something that's got like a uh, an emblem with it. Let's just do something that's really classic and let's choose a font like a Helvetica that's just going to be simple, okay? And then when we were working with the interior designer, I said, design me a space that's going to feel like my home. I just want it to be timeless. I don't want to have to Funny. think about changing finishes. I want hard-wearing, hard-working surfaces that are going to just patina and get better with age. It's not easy to, to stick to, hey? No, it's great. Pressurized with all different trends and things. We're opening in London now. I'm taking my original Tasha's look. To remind yourself. From 18 years ago, I'm taking that original look. And I'm putting yeah, it in London. For the DNA. Exactly. But it's amazing. I'm smiling because I was just telling you earlier that, you know, the first design here of the first lighthouse we had was actually someone, the person that designed my house. There so we it was go. quite literally designed my house first. Yes. And then I told her, oh, I, I want you to do a restaurant. She's like, I only do residential. Do me a resi, and, and she, a yeah. resi restaurant. And that's why the lighthouse looks that because I wanted exactly the same thing, that timeless element. And I told her, just convert this thinking into a restaurant exactly. space. I don't want it five years from now to be like this green is stale. Exactly. This font is this. Take it off. Yeah. Or no one needs avocado. We have to change the whole menu. And I think to me, honestly, for those types of brands like yours, that's the key element. Well, I think Lighthouse has also got that. It's got that light, bright, easy, breezy feeling. And obviously, as you go from different location to location, you can moody it up and make it sexier, lighter, darker. But it's still got that... Uh, that that feeling that you can Thank just you. breathe. And and I think you guys have done that very successfully. I mean, we were talking about it earlier. When we talk about our competitors, you, you're up there, you know? Just the fact that you call us a competitor. No, no, you, me, definitely a, you definitely are. With the pride. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so Tasha started. Um, how many did you have in South Africa before you came here? Now that is a difficult question. I Roughly. Back in time, maybe ten. Ten. And you, how many years was that? So we eighteen years old in South Africa, and we nine years old in Dubai. Okay, so you were like about eight or nine years exactly. in South Africa. Eight or nine years in South Africa, and we had been approached for the United States, the UK, Australia. So Australia too far for a control freak. Yeah. Different time zone. Can't even phone them. Yeah. No, <laughs> Australia is not even on planet Earth for me. It's like somewhere else. Uh, the the United States also just too vast, too big. Different time zone and and every city is a mini. Country, uh, uh, exactly. Mean, different. And then we had been approached for Dubai, and I thought, shit, this makes sense because it's an eight hour flight. Uh, had you been here before? I had been through Dubai, okay. I hadn't stayed. So you didn't and know when it. I came to visit, in some, and I, every, every time I say this, people are like, what do you mean? But in, in terms of a culture, no, not a culture, in terms of lifestyle, it's very similar to South Africa. Yeah, it is. We're not a walking culture. South Africa is also not a walking culture. We're a mall culture, we're a driving culture or driving lifestyle. It's quite similar. And then I'm Greek, so born in South Africa, but I'm Greek. Yeah, so you and get the, it. And the Arabs and the Greeks, are, yeah, we're the same. We're very similar in terms of Absolutely. culture. Um, so it was an easy move for me, and I wasn't sure if it was going to work. So I, the eight hour was a very important thing for me because if there was a problem in the restaurant, let's say I was back in SA and I needed to quickly fly back to Dubai. You can do it. Next minute I could be there. A, a, a problem, someone needs to call you. They can call you in the same time zone. But we came in very cautiously. I had no clue. I remember those first four days in Galleria, and I was like, oh, my God, this thing is not going to work. There were just no people coming through the door. And day four, we just got slammed. You literally hit it on the mark because we did. people would go there. When we were opening the lighthouse a few years later, and we were looking at what's in the market, yeah. and, you know, 
it was a the one brand that connected with Emiratis yes. at the time. It's yeah. kind of uh, all day brand, which was incredible. But then it connected with everybody else as well. All the expats, people yeah. like myself, loved it. Would, yeah. would take their kids or even without kids there. So you really hit kind of that something I'll at the time. I'll tell you what I think it is because we've done the same in South Africa. So when we started Tasha's in South Africa, the market was full of uh, themed restaurants, pretty high end. So Italian, yeah. Greek, Chinese, whatever you name it, pretty high end. And then there was a lot of mass. Yeah. But there was nothing in the middle, the middle. of yeah. sort of just below the high end that still feels special, but it's affordable. Yeah. And you can come every day. And so there was nothing like that. And that's what Tasha's did. And when we came to the UAE nine years ago, just think about the market nine years ago. There was nothing. There was nothing. all the big players, the Zoomers, the LPMs of the world. There was nothing. A lot of themed restaurants and then a lot of mass. And there wasn't anything in that in that segment. So I thought, well, you know what? We're just going to take what we've done, bring it here. When we did, if you remember, when we did our competitive analysis, there was only Tasha's in terms of that segment. Well, now there's a lot. Now there's a ton. Well, now there's a lot. I don't know if there's a lot of brands and it's the same in south africa there's a lot of single units what what i call mom and pop without any disrespect mom and pop concepts yeah and, neighborhoods and actually there are some amazing ones and i take my hats off to a lot of the local emiratis who are doing some amazing and work some great coffee shops and some great coffee shops but there aren't a lot of brands I'm talking think of a brand you know, Lighthouse is a brand. Tasha's is a brand. And we're not when I say a brand, I hate that word. It's not no, like I know a exactly typical what you mean. franchise thing, but it's 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 no, it's no. got legs, it can scale, but it still feels special. So there's now the market's changed completely. There's a lot of competition competing with Tasha's, a lot of competition competing with Lighthouse, but it's single operator units. Yes. Yeah, no, you're right. So yeah. we, we see now the competition very much at that very Hyper local level. Mm -hmm. At Mall of the Emirates, I have my competition there. Yes. In D3, I have my competition, competition here. here. Exactly. But it's not, you're right, with very few exceptions, Tasha's being one of them, there's very little that's across. I'll tell you why. It's difficult to scale. Oh my God, it's so difficult. It's difficult be to be a multi unit operator. It's difficult to replicate and duplicate. So I think what a lot happens is, what happens a lot is that guys will open a store when they go to their second unit. The wheels come off. Yeah. we all, Our wheels almost came off when we opened MOE. No, but I think you got your wheels solidly on. <laughs> we, we, How many have you got now? Four or five? We have now four. So you got four? Yeah. Four. And they're all amazing. So Yeah, thank you. It, so, it, I felt my the wheels of my head came off, yeah. but we kept them, we put them back on. Exactly. But, you know, um, this is a very good point because the scaling, the, the risk becomes different. Because I think with one location, as you said, rightfully said, when you came the beginning to Galleria in Jomera, it was, will it hit or not? And it did. Yes. But as you grow, the question becomes, well, now operationally, can I do it, right? Well, that's the key to everything. Yeah. So if you look at Tasha, South Africa, 18 years old, and we've held it together. And there's a very big difference in South Africa. Yeah, I own the restaurants. They're mine. Myself and my partner, Mubarak Bin Fahad, we own the restaurants, of course, and my brother, because we do everything together. I was his, his kids called me the other day, two little brothers. And the one wants to start a business. And the other one got upset because the brother doesn't want to involve him in the business. And I said to him yesterday, I said, my boy, do you see me and your bro and your dad? We've got everything 50-50. We're stronger together. I said, don't exclude your brother from your little business. They want to sell prime to I, kids at school and make, and, make, and make a markup. Anyway. Of course they do. So I'm lucky to have my brother. But going back to the South African thing is in South Africa, the stores are franchised. Now you're dealing with different personalities. You know what they say about franchising? Yeah, of course. When the going's good, yeah, yeah, the, franchise, the franchisee's looking in the mirror and saying, It's me. I did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it's not good, he's looking out of the window and blaming the franchisor. So in South Africa, I've got, it's a very different scenario. Did you have to franchise or is it? Is I that had to franchise because I didn't have the money. But yeah. in retrospect, I'm glad I did because I have fantastic franchisees. They are warriors. Of course, we have our clashes. It's normal. I want to get them to spend money. They don't want to spend so much money on the interiors, then I want these this type of food on and they'll come to me and they've got their own idea what they want to put in. But overall, I've had the same franchisees in all of their venues. I've had two venues that have changed franchisees. Everyone else is same the same franchisee yeah, from the beginning. That's a testament and, to the relationship. And, and, they, and we've got a fantastic relationship. We have a few boxing matches. Of course. But we, but we are and for a control freak to trust the franchisor. Not easy. Yeah, but we have a big head office team. So we drive okay. them mad. We audit. So a normal franchise... What you'll do is you pay your franchise fees. Yeah. That's what happens here in Dubai. They sign up for a franchise. The franchisor or the founder, 
the founders team will audit once every four months at best. Yeah. We drive our franchisees mad. We audit like once a week. <laughs> they hate us. Yeah. We drive them. But that's the only way you keep the quality. Around the twist. Yeah. We drive them mad. We've got a thing called the standard of excellence. It's on an iPad. Never used to be pen and paper before. And we audit every single thing. We taste all the sauces. We taste the dressings. We check the mirrors. We check the cushions. We audit them. Then they've got seven days to follow up. We, that's amazing. We, we drive them crazy. You just brought me to something I was, wasn't planning to ask, but I'm going to ask it now. The sibling situation. That's very yes. interesting. Are you the only two siblings? Mm -hmm. And are you able Brother to... Brother and sister. So this is something... I'm the older sister. I whip him. Oh, wow. Okay, I have an older Beat sister him. too, which, which whips me too. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we're not in business together, but, uh, you know, we were brought up with an understanding that whatever is there, if something is there, it's 50-50. Yeah. But how did you manage to have um, that relationship and not, because- No, we what, fight. We still fight. No, of course you fight, but I mean, the pressure of the business, which I'm familiar yes. with, then the pressure of its family, not yes. only family, you're like two siblings. There's money involved. There's families well, involved. Well, that comes to my first conversation, is that sadly, our relationship, we're close. We're super close. But our closeness is around the business. And we now have to learn to be siblings as we've outside. We have that's to learn so to be siblings out, and that's all. You know, it's it's psychology because hundred yeah, percent from from from. I mean, I was eighteen when I got involved in the food business. Besides Tasha, so eighteen, and he studied interior design. And when he left school, he joined me at Tasha's. I think he joined me a year into the first Tasha's, eighteen years ago, and our the last eighteen years have been. Mainly a business relationship. Of course, we love each other. Of course, he no, leans no, on no. me. He's got saying. problems. Uh, it's the same with me, but we don't have that proper sibling relationship. We've got a work relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you're trying to. Yeah, because I think that's the danger when everything it becomes all encompassing. You know, the, 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 your work, when you love what you do, can take over everything. Everything. And my mom was always scared of that. She'd say, You guys must be careful. You're opening too many. You're doing whatever. I mean, because she wasn't a risk taker, and thank God I didn't listen to her, and I did what I did. And she was like, I can't believe you're going to go to Dubai and open in Dubai. Anyway, that's another story for another time. But I think one of the things that she was worried about is that yeah, the relationship, the relationship changes, yeah. the dynamic changes. Yeah, no, I mean, I can relate to this. I'm also close to my sister, but my mother was always a buffer in between. Yes. And when she passed away, we had to all of a sudden directly with each other difficult and i assumed we had a very close relationship we kind of did but really we didn't in a sense of i was involved in day-to-day -day life and vice versa now we had to be because exactly. we also have joint assets yeah and i used to think of the joint assets as primarily some land that our parents left as a curse and be really angry at my parents can ask my therapist you know <laughs> that i have to deal with this and i've learned to really see it as a blessing because it forced a relationship exactly and once we sorted out the land issues, we actually became close again. Well, there Would we have go. never happened without. Yeah. So obviously, maybe my brother and I wouldn't be as close as we are if we say. didn't have the business. But there is some work to be done. And I'm not talking brother relationship. I'm talking even friends. So my two best friends are also the people who do the branding. My interior stylist <laughs> is also one of my best friends. Yeah. And at some point... The, the lines become blurred between work and friendship, and you got to be, you have to carve out time. You're right. You actually have to have the maturity, and I'm, I think I've only matured now over the last two years, to try and say, okay, this is work. Ah. Stop. Yeah. And now we make. Now let's go have a drink. Now let's, let's go have some. And let's forget. And let's not go on talk holiday about together and not talk about, which is, it's hard. When we come back, more brands and countries in the Tasha's group timeline, and why Natasha never wants to open a restaurant in Greece. Welcome back. You're listening to the Lighthouse Conversations with my guest, Natasha Sideris. So you came here to Dubai, we'll go back, and then you started growing. Obviously, Tasha's as the brand became immediately a success, and then you started scaling that brand. Yes. But then, incredibly, when I thought, oh, well, she's done so much when I first met you, incredible. She has now a bunch of Tasha's all around town. They're all buzzing. People love them. And then you started seeing Bungalow. And then you started seeing... Avli. Uh, Avli. And, and then you started seeing... And a seeing... bar for my sins. 
because I used to party very hard when I, and was, then a, you have when I was a youngster. And you have Galaxy and you have Flamingo. Yeah. So like, and a few I was more. like, and every, yeah. <laughs> and so every time I'd go be like, people like, oh, there's something called Flamingo Room. I'm like, oh, that's great. Let's go check it out. Oh, it's Tasha's. So, was that a decision? No, was a pause so there? what happened is Flamingo Room was a decision because I wanted to. That was the first coming out. Yeah. So I wanted to prove to myself and my team wanted to prove to the market. The restaurant bar thing. Yes. That, that, no, that we could do the Flamingo. That okay. we could actually do a more upscale brand okay. still accessible but a lot more upscale with a different style of service different interior moody yeah a proper restaurant yeah. and then what happened is we started getting offered locations that weren't suited to tasha's so i had to go dig deep and start creating these brands leave i've because i'm greek and i've always wanted to do a greek okay. restaurant I've never really wanted to do a but, bar. But can I just pause here for yeah. a second? So why didn't you, for example, take Flamingo Room, which was about that point and Nassim had succeeded already, yeah, and, and take scale it to that. the FC, for example? Because I don't think Flamingo Room has got permission to be... Um, I love this permission concept. Yes, I don't it's think the brand's got permission to have multi-units in one city. It's like uh, an LPM. Are you going to have... Yeah. Uh, and was that a feeling? Yes, it was a feeling. So okay. I thought Flamingo Room can go to Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Riyadh, it can go to London, whatever. it can go London. to Riyadh, but it's not, it's not yeah. a Tasha's. It's yeah. an occasion. You're not yeah. going to go every day. Tasha's, you can go twice a day, you can go three 100%. times a week. It's, it's that type of thing. Flamingo Room, it's a destination, it's an occasion. Okay. Same with Avli, we're not going to open more than one. So then you did Avli as an homage to your Greek heritage. Yes, and also because I got offered the location, it used to be my partner's location, and Correct. he had opened that Spanish restaurant, sadly it didn't work out, and he said, Tash, take it and, and let's do something with it, and we did, and we did the bar. But then the bar is a whole different thing. The you know, when I talk to my friends space. that are in the Exuma bar and yeah. stuff, that's a whole different world. It is a whole different world. So why did you do that on top of it? That's because, like Because, again, we had the space, I couldn't just extend the seating. Yeah, you were like... I had to do something unique. Listen, I'm a creative, and I need to be <laughs> reined in. Yeah. <laughs> and... Actually, I've just said to my team, we're doing three more brands. We've got African Lounge coming, Perlage, another bar, and we've got a quick service concept coming in Al-Sakal, which has been coming for years. We just had issues. Yeah, or you have the, the kitchen. The well, we had issues with per permissions and yeah. the size of the units and everything. We've now resolved them. But after that, there are no more new brands. Someone called me the other day and said, listen, you're South African. I've got a location for you, and we're looking for a steakhouse. I said, leave me alone. <laughs> alone. I have no more bandwidth. I cannot think of another glassware, another plate, another Seriously. style of service. It's, it's. I mean, you know, it's yeah, a lot. I, I, I think of it's different uniforms. I mean, if you look at bungalow, the level of diesel, different uniform, different plates, different glassware. That's what I find so fascinating. I was telling you earlier, for example, personally, I don't have that bandwidth to think in those. So when I first started seeing, I'm like, how does she do it? Because they are, of course, you see some connectivity. Yes. If, if I know, if you, if one knows you. Yes. But otherwise, each brand has its own look, its own feel, its own menu, its own palette, its own colors. It's incredible. And and you go in one day from one to the other, you like have to do this mental switch. I do. I do yeah. have to do the mental switch. And my team has to do not only a mental switch, they've got to do a uniform switch. That's exactly so if you're right. working at head office and you're auditing Tasha's, you've got to have an Avli suit in your car, get dressed when you go and audit the thing because you're not allowed to go in your standard uh, Tasha's clothes. And are you involved in all the details? I am. You still are. I mean, yesterday I was at a tasting for Flamingo Room. Uh, you're still, you're still doing still, all no, Nothing goes on the menu. That's Without you tasting That's why it. I don't lose any weight. Without me tasting it, yeah. I, I have to sign it off. No one's allowed to select a glass. No one's allowed to put a drink on. No one's allowed to do anything until I've signed it off because at the end of the day, that's what we're selling. We're selling drinks and no, food. 100%, but it just comes um, harder to do. It does become... Listen, I'm saying... You know what? Um... There is a book, Blitzscaling, and I think yeah. it's it's the and one of the big takeaways that I took from it is Reed Hoffman that wrote the book. Reed Hoffman, I think, yeah, the guy from LinkedIn. No, who's the guy from Airbnb? Oh, yeah, it's Ben Chesky. So he, he talks about the story of the Airbnb, and one of the things that I took away from it was it's a great story. Do it yourself until you can't do it anymore. <laughs> so I used here goes to, the balance. So I used to cook and train. Every single Tasha's item until store number 10. All. So I'd come up with the food with my team, but I would cook it with my brother. He's a much better cook than I am. <laughs> my dad was involved in the tastings in the early days before he passed. And I used to do all the training. I had no one. I used to do it all myself. Until I got to store number 10 and I thought, oh my God, I'm going to actually kill myself. So what I like to think is along this journey that I will do 
all of the detail until it gets to a point where I can't and I'm going to have to select some things. I'm going to have to trust my team to say, okay, you know what? They understand the palate now. Go ahead and put on those Tasha's dishes without me actually physically having to taste them. I'm getting there. But it's uh, slow. My team's getting there. It's slow, not because of my team. It's my fault. It's because I'm a control freak. No, I get it completely. I still can't have a plate show up or a glassware or anything. Exactly. Without, without me- you signing it off. I can't. And I'm probably wrong, but when it when I when it slips or I'm not there, I'm traveling, I'm like, oh, I should have never allowed this to happen. There we it's go. Disaster. Exactly. Yeah. Sadly. So so yes, I am to answer your question, I am still involved in all the, the detail. The nitty, nitty gritty detail. If you see the notes on my phone, you'll laugh. <laughs> this is just from a few store visits yesterday. Oh my god. Okay. And one of them you're gonna laugh at the level of detail. I went into the toilet at Flamingo Room and the toilet paper roll was not on the toilet oh no I, that's a pet peeve in the of right way and i've put your training for toilet cleaners on toilet paper so i have I, serious problems i remember when i can so relate <laughs> to this i now feel normal i mean i'm like finally because i i sometimes can't even say these things to people because i'm like they think you're crazy no, they're mental of course but that's uh that's the only way and that's why is it the only way? I feel so. I, He's with the restaurant I, business. I do for longevity. So if you think about how long you've been here, seven yeah. years. Yeah. It's because of the detail. Yeah. It's because I go to your bathrooms and I see you still using the beautiful napkins with your logo on them. Yeah. And you still got the stunning Cirex plates. And yeah. you still got yeah. these things are important. Yeah. Because there's a lot of competition, but also because the world has changed in a major way. Restaurants could have served a basic interior good food and some nice service and that was good enough we are bombarded by imagery information comes so quickly when i used to do my research and i still only do it this way pick up a cookbook go to the go to the bookstore buy a whole lot of cookbooks and magazines inspiration from my travels inspiration from my, my, my heritage and my grandmothers and whatever and come up with ideas now we get information so quickly and a lot of details so if your restaurant is not up to standard People are going to notice immediately, and, and what, they notice the detail. And what you said earlier, which is so interesting, because people think of social media as an outlet for creativity, and it's what, not. It's a killer. Of exactly creativity. what you're saying is actually it makes it homogenous, which is a, so true. It is a total killer of creativity. I have deleted Instagram off my phone. It's four years. It could be five. I have not had it on my phone. Of course, my brands have social media. Yeah, yeah, that's I understand the to. need for it. Of course, I'm going to get hung for this, and my, my poor ladies that. <laughs> Own the creative agency. I'm going to say, stop bad mouthing Instagram. If Instagram was like a place, I'd, I'd bomb it because I, I I can't understand the obsession with the the the, the you know the, just looking at these photos. You're not even absorbing the information. I'm not saying there isn't some beautiful stuff. There is. It's full of beautiful things. Yeah. But also, how much can your brain absorb? So now you're looking at interiors, and then you see ten thousand chairs. Before to find a chair, you exactly. need to go to a bookstore. Yes. Oh my God. I love bookstores. Get the book. Yeah. Look through the pages, make photocopies, think of this, think of that. Now I can look at 5,000 chairs in just like this. And it's the race to mediocrity, frankly, to your point, because you wind up being always at the middle. It's never, you can take no, no longer take risks almost. Exactly. You kind of wind in the middle where everybody wants to be and it's crowded in the exactly. middle. And, and it no sucks. Original it's, it's no original thoughts. No original thought. Exactly. Hence, we see, frankly, I'll be very honest. A lot of new, I mean, Dubai has nothing but new restaurant openings. And I'm not, but I see many that to me look so unremarkable. Because they look the same. It's and the, even the, the food is unremarkable but, because but it's the same. It's homogenized. So what's, it's, it's, it's because everyone is looking at the same images and the same pictures and the same, they're getting the same inspiration. And actually, I didn't think about what you said now, but it's, it's that spot in the middle yeah. that everyone wants to be in. The collective middle. Exactly. Well, you could talk about the collective subconscious. Yeah. Instagram is taking all of that and putting it on a page for you. And then everyone starts doing the same thing. No, we, we were talking about you even in the, within the context also of some of these awards and so on. And someone that you and I know well told me, I respect Natasha. One of the many reasons I respect her is if the awards come, that's great. But she's one of the very few large operators that are not chasing it. It's very obvious. You do your thing. If the accolades come, great. And they if have they come. come. It's amazing. But if it they is. don't, my accolade is, is my team happy? Yeah. Are my customers happy? Are we delivering a quality product? And do the restaurants look beautiful? But that is honestly that is, so that's rare. The, that's the award. I don't care about everything else. It's nice if they come. Yes, of course, of course it's always it's nice, nice to get recognized. 
Yeah, and your team gets recognized. But which we is don't great. do paid advertising. We don't. I don't participate, and that was one of the brand pillars from early on in South Africa. Is we will not do paid advertising. We will not chase. If the award comes, it's because we we deserve it, and and it's and it's 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 come because we uh, we deserve it, and it's a credit for us. It's not. What's the point of getting it if it's all forced? Then it doesn't mean anything. For a lot of people, it does. It's, there's a whole industry around just that, as you all know. Yes, because it's going to bring more feet in the door. Uh, it's hard to say. My experience with longevity, certainly in F&B here, has been, which is really good news. Ultimately, if the quality and product is good, you survive and you continue and you thrive. Also, the market's maturing. Don't forget. Yeah, that's a true. Lot. Yes. Because, you know, Dubai holds Dubai as a city. What are we talking about? Not, Not Dubai's history. The Dubai is a, the UAE. What is how old is the UAE? Fifty plus. Fifty plus. Yes. As a as a federation. Let's, let's call it. Clo the, it's close to sixty. Yeah. The UAE. Yeah. And there's and there's huge Dubai boom. The it's Dubai very, boom is twenty years old. Twenty years old. Very short time very for short all time. of this to come in. So the market's slowly starting much to mature, and I'm and I'm with you. They're starting to recognize what, what is and now. I'm going to swear bullshit. Yeah. And 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 all marketing. And what is actual quality and what's authentic. Which because is very important. Authenticity is also important. Are you doing something with authenticity? You know, someone's come to me and said, Will I do an Asian restaurant? Well, no, because I don't understand the food and it's not going to be authentic yeah. to what I'm doing. So I can't do it. Before Avli was Avli, it was a Spanish restaurant. Yes. And he wanted me to come up with a Spanish concept. I said, It's not me. I can't do it. Can I put a Spanish dish on one of my menus? For sure I can. I can do a basic yeah. paella. Yeah. But am I going to do a whole restaurant based on Spain? I can't. I don't understand it. It's not for me. And then he went and did it with, with actual Spaniards from Spain, which is great. So I think authenticity is also important in what you do because you, if you want people to connect with the product that you're giving them and the experience, then it also has to be real. But they're going to connect with something that's fake. How Greek was your upbringing? In very. East? Very Greek. So third generation South African. On my dad's side, third generation. On my mom's side, second. Amazing. But I went to a Greek school in South Africa. Okay. So it's very Greek. Grew up with all the Greek traditions. Only spoke Greek to my grandmother. In fact, to both. Um, and then, yeah, I'm very Greek. And I go back to Greece all the time. So I've begs the question, why didn't you open in Greece? No, because I, I want to relax in Greece. And I want to <laughs> retire in Greece. I don't want to yeah. be thinking about... I'm so with so, you. We've got two sites people have offered us in Greece. And I said, leave me alone. My, my guy, my MD here, Stefano, says, you know what? We're going to go and open them and you won't know that we've opened them. <laughs> I said, you're going to ruin my life. Please But you're so right. Alone. I feel the same way about Egypt. People like open Egypt. I'm like, no, that's home. It's personal. That's when I want to relax. Exactly. Yes. The no, last I thing I want anything. is to drag my work into home. And then if anyone says a bleep beep there, I'm going to take it so personally. Exactly. Here, I can somehow still like dust yes. it off. They're impossible. No, 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 no. We're not opening in Greece. Doesn't matter what they think if they're listening. Or they're going to listen later. <laughs> Please don't even think about it. No. So you now have a few more brands. Um, in the pipeline. In the pipeline. Yeah. So this is over the next year. Yeah, until the end of the year. So at Cercal, you're opening Daraya in Riyadh. I saw your... In Riyadh, we're opening a multi-concept yeah. unit. So we've got a Collective, which I'm a partner in with uh, the Greggs, Nikki Gregg who's also an interior stylist. So we've got that beautiful gift store on the side, the yeah. high-end African stuff. Flamingo room. On the second floor, we've got the African lounge. And on the top, a stargazing roof terrace, which is not a concept, but it's just just beautiful just sculpt to look at, yeah, sculptural furniture. And we're going to put a couple of telescopes and people can look at the stars. Well, that's amazing. What's the African lounge? Explain me the concept. Again, by virtue of the space, I had to create something. So we get yeah. the space in, in Diria. I saw it. It's massive. Yeah, it's massive. And I think, what am I going to do on the second floor? I can't put a flamingo room on the second floor. Pink, pink. People don't, It's going <laughs> to be empty and no one's going to come. Yeah. Everyone's going to occupy the bottom yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah. What gives them a reason to go upstairs? So I start thinking, what goes with the flamingo room theme? It's a bit of an Africa. Let me push the African element completely and give people this like tented sort of safari-esque type of space. It's going to be non-alcoholic, both here and in Abu Dhabi. Because That's another something I love about you, that you don't shy away from seeing, which I completely agree with, by the way, yeah. 
the concept of a bar can be very much non-alcoholic bar. It needs to be the same amount of thought exactly. and carefulness that you do with it. People are like always poo-poo non-alcoholic bars. Listen, uh, non-alcoholic is going to be a big segment in the market. You know, the alcohol companies are fighting for non-alcoholic because the youngsters of today aren't drinking as much. No, they're not. Anyway, so I, I think what can I do? And I go to London and I, and I eat at Sketch. Uh, and I think, oh, wow, you know, a, a high tea concept could work in this African lounge because we're going to have non-alcoholic cocktails and high tea. So we're doing beautiful high tea, we're serving from 12 until about half past five, six. And then at the high tea goes away. And at seven o'clock, we've got proper African bites influenced from all over Africa, specifically South Africa. We've got a lot. Of course. And I'm talking small little meals people can come and share. So we're giving a sexy bar feel. With non-alcoholic cocktails and this high tea and the nibbly bits that we call them, because it's quite African, uh, in this te green tented space. Um, and I'm, it's like a supplementary to Flamingo Room, and I'm hoping that it's going to work because we're going to have two soon. Abu Dhabi's opening first. And, and Abu Dhabi, the same kind of concept of three. Exactly. Okay, exactly the same. Space. Yeah, I so in Abu Dhabi, actually, there's four. You walk through Collective, there's an African lounge, a Flamingo Room, and another bar for my sins, right at the back, called <laughs> Perlage. A red bar this time, not a oh blue my bar. God. I have a couple of follow-up questions here. Do you ever, before your openings, worry? Or are you the type of person that, because obviously you're a risk taker, but are you sitting there the day before worry. and you're like, oh shit? Is or? this going to, oh no, definitely. You are. Bangalore, I thought, what have we done? We have signed <laughs> in a very obscure place. Yeah. The whole of Dubai likes to turn left. Yeah. They don't like to turn right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They they all want to party at the beach and you're creating something exactly. and I, civilized, and frankly. I'm, exactly. And I thought, what have we done? What have we done? And we put so much effort and energy into it. So obviously we're always nervous. That's another thing. You can't, even it doesn't mean because all of your restaurants have succeeded that the rest are going to succeed. You can't go with arrogance. And it's what I've told my team about London. To we're be successful humble. in South Africa. We're successful in Dubai. We're going to go hand in hat to the UK. We're going to open. We're going to give fo good food, beautiful space, great service. Please God, it works. Yeah. No big plans. No 30, 40, 50, 60 stores. Yeah. One store. Let's see how it goes. Sadly, the restaurant business has become a machine. It's an industry. When people talk about the restaurant 100%. industry, I hate that word industry. Some industry. What are we? Not no, but it's also what you said, right? Your success fuels contacts that show you locations and then it becomes a bit of a drug, right? And then you're like, oh, this is beautiful. I really should do something. I should here. do something. And then you keep going. Yeah, but I'm not going to anymore. This is it. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm going to do these three new brands and it's over and we will try and scale the ones we have. Is there a part of you, because I know you're ambitious and you were forward looking, that said, well, you know, London is kind of big boy league. I'm not at all belittling where we are here. I think mm -hmm. Dubai, is, if anything, has a much better today it does. restaurant scene than anywhere, almost anywhere in the world. Yes. But were you like, I want to play there in that sandbox? I'll tell you what happened. Yeah. It's for Tasha's as a brand. I think we've reached our capacity. Maybe there's opportunity to do one, one more in or, Dubai. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, Saudi is a big market for us, but it is notoriously slower in terms Correct. of pace. Um, it's just the nature of of the place, yeah. you know, it's not a fast. I can't no. open many. I've no. got to, I'm going to go gonna slowly. It's not going to happen in six months. No. Okay. Um, so then I thought, where else can we take Tasha's as a market? And the UK is the next logical step for us. I think it's going to be the most challenging. Hectic barriers to entry. Yeah. And it's a Rentals big market. Rentals are high. Very yeah. competitive market. I mean, super competitive. Hiring. The labor. Do you, Tough. You use your current, your, your admin and your team here to, I mean, yes. how do you do that? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to use our current admin and our team. Until you go there. And then until we go there. And if it works, then we'll start building a smaller team there. But I've taken Kyle, who's worked for me for the last 10 years, to London. to London. I've moved him to London already. So he's starting to set everything up. The biggest threat to growth, if I'm giving advice to people who want to do multi-units, is training and culture. Because can you do a beautiful design? Yes, you can. Can people come up with a nice menu? Most people can. can you, those things are doable. But the culture and the training are very important. That's why we've brought a lot of South Africans and say, Zimbabweans over. It is incredible how many South Africans and Zimbabweans you've brought here that I've seen in your shops. And of course, some of them get poached and they go somewhere else. I think it could be like 300. But I was going to say, yeah, I, I know. And I've had a few working for yeah, me as well yeah, over yeah. the years. 300, 350. It's incredible. And they have such loyalty to the brand. Even when they leave, they become ambassadors. I know they do. 
which I, I, because we know we've had one or two over the yeah. years, and they're they're ambassadors quite literally to the brand. I know, and that matters to you, I think. Very important for me. Yeah, why? <sighs> Is that part of giving back? Is it part of a legacy? So you got to you got to think that what you're doing is yes, you have a business, you're making money, you're feeding customers, but you're also employing a whole lot of people, and they have got families and 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 people that they are responsible and for. And that matters too. Big time. It's huge, huge. I mean, I've had some staff working for me from Tasha's, the first Tasha's in Athol Square in Joburg. They're still working for me today. And Bali, my bar lady in Flamingo Room, helped me open Tasha's in Athol. Precious, who runs Galleria, everyone will know her. Whoever's listening will know Precious from Galleria. She's yeah. famous. Precious has been with me for 14, no, 16 years. She started as a scullery washing dishes. She's now the general manager of one of my busiest restaurants. Incredible. So you have to amazing. You have to give back. You have to grow. And yes, the the, the staff are important for me. I love to see them thriving. It's, it's amazing to watch. How much of this is this? We talk about this a lot here in the in, in the lighthouse and and this podcast about this hybridity because you're bringing in so many. I mean, you're South African. You're Greek. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're now practically Emirati. You've been here yeah. for so long. You know, so you obviously understand Middle East and Arab culture yes. really well as well because of your Greek roots. Mm -hmm. That must have helped you. That nimble way of thinking yes. the flexibility in yes. your success definitely and you have to be nimble mm. and you have to know that when you're dealing with different cultures don't forget that i ran galleria for the first year yeah. i did not close. know the story by the way open to close yeah. open to close i was the general manager yeah. i don't have a general for one I, full year one full year i ran the place abu dhabi i moved to abu dhabi i ran that store for six months the Tasha's there. The Tasha's there. I mean, but even Bangalore can you see, now, man, These are obviously glorious months. successes, but that yes. imprint is there. So there's an interesting psychological phenomenon, and it's called mirror neurons. And I always talk to my team about this. So if you and I had to spend 21 days together every day, I would start, you sit with your mates, I'd start mimicking you, some of your mannerisms, and you would start mimicking some of mine. We take so each other's mannerisms. Okay. So I always say to my team, we can't leave a restaurant before 21 days. You can't be like these other businesses, franchises that come, they hand the keys after three days and leave the guy. You're not going to imprint anything. you got to stay there and not you got to stay there for a few hours. Bungalow, two months, open, close, open, close, open, close, open, close. And if it wasn't me, it was one of my team drilling in systems, drilling in standards because you need them to mirror you. And that's the only way. No, it's just, it's and just now, Galleria's had like a lot of, not a lot of turnover of staff, but we've got a lot of new people because we've taken some of the Galleria team and moved them to Abu Dhabi and then from Abu yeah. Dhabi to Eva and then into Flamingo Rooms. So now there's quite a fresh team there. So I've said to my head office team, right, you're going to go back, go spend another 21 days there. And That's now my so head office team is in Galleria showing them the Tasha's way. Yeah. Because they have to learn it. Yeah. That is so interesting. Yeah. Unbelievable, Natasha. Thank I you. cannot tell you this has been brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, I love you. You're honestly a force of nature Thank and so you. inspiring. Like, I feel like I have wings. Thank you. Good. I'm glad. So, <laughs> Your brand's got lots of legs, lots of Thank wings. You, you carry on pushing. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us. If you know of someone who'd love to hear this episode, please send it to them. The Lighthouse Conversations is hosted by me, Hasha Montasser. Our producer is Chirag Desai, and our content director is Farah Sharif. You can connect with us on Instagram at the Lighthouse underscore podcast for behind the scenes videos and a lot more. You can also listen to all our previous episodes in your podcast app or at thelighthouse.ae slash podcast. We'll see you again in two weeks.